Hi everyone, welcome to Real Talk with Abigail. I'm your host, Abigail. Let's be real. Life has its ups and downs, and sometimes we don't take the time to really talk about it. So that's what I'm gonna do, talk about it. Join me and a different guest each week as we talk about faith, fun, and everything in between. So let's get started with today's episode. I have two very special guests today. It's my pastor, Zach Dudenhofer, and his wife, Chara. How are you guys today? We're doing pretty good, Abigail. We're sleep deprived. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can tell because before we start recording, you guys were like, oh, we're like little slap happy over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what happens when you wake up early and you have children that keep you up as well. And you have time change and then you have coffee, you have three yeah. cups of coffee. High on caffeine, always. All right, so let's get started. I want to hear you guys' testimonies and what the Lord has done in your lives. So, Chara, will you go ahead and start us off with how God has worked throughout your life? Sure. So, for me, my testimony is I was raised in a Christian home. And from a young age, I heard the scriptures read and, you know, was in church Sunday morning and evening and Wednesday night and through Awana. And I was blessed that even I have three older sisters, so all of them kind of always have been like my mothers. And they, um, my one sister, the second oldest, always was sharing a verse with me about all we like sheep have gone astray and everyone, you know, has turned his or her, her own way. And um, my mom, along with that, would share a little book that talked about a little lost sheep and the shepherd goes to find him and then brings them safely to the fold and those, so I had those imprints, those pictures in my mind with the scriptural truth. And about five years old, we were swimming at a university near our house, and there was a tornado actually coming through the area. So we all had to get out and run down into these, this cold basement, and we were in our bathing suits. I don't even know if we had time to grab towels. And I was in a corner, you know, sheltering with my mother. And I knew, like, if that tornado came through, like, at five years old, I would definitely die and I would not go to heaven to be with God because I'd done enough evil in my life in five years. <laughs> the Lord had convicted me of sin through those stories and just knowing God's word. And so I just asked my mom, you know, to pray with me and we prayed. And even from growing up in a Christian home, you still have spiritual struggles and wanting to either go towards God and towards his word or towards the world. Like there's always those pools, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm just thankful for the work of the Holy spirit because it's definitely nothing that I can take credit for, or I can give, I mean, even though my parents and my sisters helped coach me in a sense through their word, if it was not for the working of the Holy Spirit and the promise of God that he will complete the work that is within you, I probably would not be here today, like most of us, Yeah, you know, because talking about real talk, like we all have doubts, we all have oh, fears, yeah. we're all like, is God's word true? Did this really mm -hmm. happen? Why do I, why am I even believing this? And, um, but God kept bringing me back to his word. So he was able to build me up and just having that the Bible just put into my mind through Iwana, through home, through church, through songs, you know, whether hymns or Christian contemporary music, uh, you can just be built up. And it was seventh grade where the Lord got a hold of my heart more, I think, in a way of me making not a decision as Savior, but like looking that God wanted me to 
just give him my life, like to follow him. And I was at something called Acquire the Fire. I don't Mm -hmm. know if anyone's heard of that, but, and just through the song and some of the preaching, I was just like, wow, God is real and he wants me. And after that, I started reading my Bible on my own and just searching through scriptures. And I started listening to sermons on my own. I turned off the secular music and I turned on, I don't know what was, it's kind of like a shine, but it might be K-Love or something over where my parents live. I can't remember. And listening more of that and getting that into my life. Yeah. So that's kind of my story. And then I can let Zach mm-hmm. take it from here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So um, I was saved at an early age. Sometimes I guess people that grow up in Christian environments feel like they missed out on something, right? Because, <laughs> yep. well, I didn't have that huge dramatic conversion. You know, I wasn't saved from a life of drugs or whatever. Um, I didn't struggle with all these crazy things and wasn't found in the ditch anywhere. But for me, I always like to remind myself of what scripture says. You know, Ephesians chapter two says that um, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And I was by nature a child of wrath. I mean, when I was born, David said in sin, did my mother conceive me? Um, And so, you know, I was born so rebellious and contrary to God that, you know, Scripture says I deserved God's wrath. But God saved me, and that's a miracle, right? Even at six Mm -hmm. years old, you know, one of the things that's the glory of the gospel is you're not only saved from hell, But God also wants to save you from a sinful life. And when you're saved at a young age, that's a testimony of God's grace. He spared you from that. I've got, you know, the same story, saved at five years old, and Mm -hmm. I've never looked at it that way before. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I've often been encouraged by is when God saves Mm -hmm. someone who's been uh, in a lifestyle of sin for 40 Mm -hmm. years, or whether God saves someone who's been living in sin for four years, it's the same miracle of God's grace. It took, Mm -hmm. it took a Mm -hmm. miracle. I was dead. I'm alive. Mm -hmm. And you can only explain that by God's power. Um, so anyway, I was saved, uh, like I said, around five years old or six years old around there. I can't remember exactly when, but I was, remember it was a Sunday and I had called my sister a bad name (laughs) And my mom sat me down and explained to me that the wages of sin is death. And she explained what that death looked like. It looked like in a separation from God forever in a place of torment called hell. And I remember that hit me. She had probably explained that to me before, but that was like the first time it really grabbed my attention. And then she explained to me how Jesus Christ died on the cross to save me from that wrath. I didn't know anything else as a six-year-old, but in that moment, I knew the most important things. I was a sinner and that Jesus Christ could save me. And I responded in faith and I asked the Lord to save me. And I remember even at a young age, my mindset completely changed. Titus says that before you trust in Jesus Christ, you hate God and you hate one another. Mm-hmm. And even as a young child, you know, I just remember my affections changed in that moment. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I would go to church because my parents made me go to church. I didn't want to go to church and I didn't like that my parents made me go. And I remember even at that early age, once I trusted in Christ, there was a change that happened in my life where all of a sudden I, I wanted to obey God, you know, and that was a new affection in my heart that I hadn't experienced before. But 
kind of the same with what Chara said is as I grew up, I didn't read the Bible much. I didn't pray much. Um, I just kind of coasted through life. And I remember mm-hmm. going to, when I was a teenager, I went to a tent evangelistic meeting held by several churches in the area of Michigan where I grew up. And uh, the evangelist gave a message. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember at the end, he gave this invitation and he made the point that if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your savior, uh, you ought to pursue him. Like there's, uh, Mm. there's not only that Christ died for you, but now because Christ died for you, you can pursue a relationship with him. Um, and I realized that I really hadn't been doing that. And so, you know, we use a lot of phrases. I guess you could say I rededicated my life to Christ uh, as a young teenager. And that was when I started reading the Bible, praying on my own, and really growing. Um, and so that's kind of my salvation testimony. Uh, I went to community college for about a year and a half because I thought the Lord was going to call me to be a constitutional lawyer. But during several things that happened while I was at college there, I realized that I had been given by my parents who were both saved a very valuable gift. I came to understand the truth, but Mm -hmm. I never really understood it Mm -hmm. and the value of it until in all of these college classes, whether it was science or British literature or whatever, the main question being raised was what is truth? Mm -hmm. And... I realized I knew the truth and everybody else was searching for it. And I had never valued the truth that I had had. Oh. Um, and then, and then I would also be interacting with several Christians that were in the classrooms with me. And there's a lot of stories I could tell there, but, um, but what was troubling was how silent they would stay when the issue would come up. When you had an opportunity to share the truth, they would be quiet mm. and, I started realizing that it was because they just hadn't been really equipped with the truth, hadn't been taught it very well. And so the Lord used those circumstances in my life to kind of make me realize that this is what I need to be doing. I used to think, oh, I'm going to go into government and I'm going to change the world from the top down. (laughs) 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 Today's election day, right? Uh, (laughs) Today's election changes nothing eternally, let's be clear, (laughs) right? Real change happens from the bottom up as God's spirit works in people's hearts and minds according to the truth of his word to reveal the glory of Christ. And when I realized that, I all of a sudden realized, oh my word, I am, I got to be a pastor. I'm I'm being called to full-time ministry. Uh, which was shocking because I never wanted to do that. My grandpa was a pastor uh, and a mish- missionary growing up. And and uh, every time I was growing up, my grandpa would say, when are you going to go to Moody Bible Institute and become a pastor? And so I never <laughs> wanted to do that. And so when eventually I realized the Lord was calling me to that, um, I broke down crying. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, I was like, no, this is what the Lord's will is for me, and I've never been happier knowing this is exactly what God's called me to do. So that's when I decided to go to Bob Jones University uh, to study how to be a pastor, and that's where I met Chara. Mm -hmm. Love at first sight. (laughs) Yeah. For Zachary. (laughs) Not for you? He was very shy and kind of bashful, and whenever I would come around, his hands were in his pocket, and he would just like be smiling, and I was like kind of annoyed. (laughs) I'm like, why doesn't this guy talk? And so anyways. I never, yeah, I never did. <laughs> I never did believe in love at first sight until I met Chara. Aww. It started with started my first or second day, right? We had to pick up textbooks from the oh, bookstore yeah, about that. at the university, and, and I, didn't I just this, remember yeah. noticing there's this cute girl walking 
by with her textbooks and the way she carried herself was like so confident. I was like, who is that? <laughs> uh, but you know, I immediately reined myself in and I was like, okay, get yourself under control. This is the second day. Right. Um, <laughs> but we had a lunch group that would meet up. It was my freshman roommate that invited me to this lunch group and I didn't know anyone at Bob Jones. So I was like, okay, I'll go to this. And lo and behold, that cute girl I saw in the bookstore was sitting there. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and every time she opened up her mouth, it just took my breath away because she was the first girl I'd ever met that could express what she believed and could back it up with scripture. And Ooh. I was just really impressed. And then she laughed at my jokes. <laughs> Which was or I laughed plus. at you. It no, was that moment when you, when you meet someone no, and you're like, I feel like I've known this person my whole life, even though I've only seen them for the last half hour. Yeah. I don't know if that relates at all. But yeah. um, so uh, so that's how we kind of that first meeting took place at, at Bob mm-hmm. Jones. We would play tennis together and we would go running on the track and I usually like to come in and I'd see him like on the other side. And then when he got closer, I'd start running and make him chase me. <laughs> so I took oh, that up, was fun. I took up running while I was at yes. college. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she was so busy studying and she was on debate and everything else like that, that the only time I could get with her to have conversations was on the track running. So I took those opportunities. And he'd leave me like secret debate evidence, like in the library or in my books, <laughs> yeah. like of course, it wasn't really evidence for debate, but it was cute. And Chara, what was your major? I have a bachelor's in technical writing and a master's in rhetoric and public address. Okay. So I kind of, what's interesting about how like God, originally Zach thought he would go to be a lawyer. That was kind of my intent of how I was going to be. Okay. Um, I thought I would go to school and get a bachelor's and maybe get a master's or like go into law school after that. And then I, fa- I fell in love with rhetoric and public address and just stayed at Bob Jones University to study that. And then Zach stayed. So, but the Lord just kind of made our paths cross. I know someone mentioned that when two people are meant, like God is bringing two people together, you're originally on two separate paths and it's like your paths just join and you're walking it together. So yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I think it's just interesting that we both had intense, like, to go into law of some type, and now we're in ministry together. Yes. Which is is special. Yeah, that is so special. So you guys met and then graduated and got married? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We got married in 2011. June 2011, right out of grad school. school. I was out. Zach got Hmm. back from the university before me, and then I had to stay a month after, and then we were married a week after I got home from grad school. Awesome. That was fun. We were young and in love, and we didn't have a job. I didn't have a job when we got married. (laughs) So (laughs) that was, you know, I would never recommend that for anyone, but it It worked worked out. out. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And here you are now. Well, and you know, that actually ties into me actually getting my first pastorate um, was we got married and I didn't have a job. And so Char and I were trying to decide, well, where should we look for one, you know, Mm -hmm. and I just kept on having it in the back of my mind where, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So we thought to ourselves, where are churches uh, that we could basically invest ourselves in, uh, whether it be by, you know, uh, her parents or my parents. And so we kept on looking for jobs in different areas. And um, 
And eventually, you know, you just got to have a job, right? You got to pay bills. <laughs> and uh, so I started working concreting, uh, which I am not physically built for. Um, but I just started trying to help out as much as I could break up cement and pour it. And it was laughable. But um, God was working through that, right? Yeah. And so what we decided is, yeah, I would do concreting in Boardman, Ohio, and I would just help out Chara and mm -hmm. uh, the church that her parents were going to at that yeah. time. And I had a job too, just a part-time yep. teaching oral communications at a local college there. Yeah. So, so I started okay. teaching Sunday school at that church. And even though I had had my resume out to a thousand different churches, because that's what they tell you to do, right? Chara right. had the phrase network, network, network. Right? She <laughs> always tell me this. Yes. Um, and none of that was panning out. Mm -hmm. And so I, we were just like, you know what? Just get a job, serve mm -hmm. the Lord at a church and see what happens. Well, it was actually through me teaching Sunday school that an individual from that church knew an individual from the church that I became a pastor at in Pennsylvania. And they were like, hey, you're looking for a pastor. There's this young man who's teaching at our church. Why don't you have him come candidate? And so that was how the Lord kind of providentially brought us mm -hmm. over there. And I, yeah, six months after graduating, I had a mm -hmm. pastorate, which was... Mm -hmm ridiculously yes, quick for yeah. most people in my wow yeah and class. we were there for eight and a half years mm -hmm. so until the lord called us here yeah. so yeah wow so throughout that journey how has god worked in your heart as you take different steps like you were in concrete and totally not what you were looking for and how has god worked through that and what kind of things has he brought to you guys that have really worked in your heart one of the verses that I really appreciate comes from the book of Isaiah where it says, you keep him in perfect peace mm -hmm. whose mind is stayed on mm -hmm. you because he trusts in you. Trust in the mm -hmm. Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Mm -hmm. That's Isaiah 26. When you are living life, things change all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that never changes is mm -hmm. God and your yeah. relationship with him. Yeah. And so that's been something that's held me tight through a lot of different circumstances is just remember who God is and keep on trusting in him. Mm. That was something that the Lord started teaching me even at college when Char and I went through some <laughs> relational difficulties. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for a while she hated my guts for reasons that will be talked about at another time. Um, <laughs> or not talked about. <laughs> ever. Uh, never. Yes, never. Future podcast. Um but I would just run back to my prayer room and I learned during my college years to pray and just to pray until that perfect peace that passes all understanding guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That promise is true. Um, mm. And that promise that I was taught in college, I have used a whole, a whole lot. That's really good. You know, in the midst of everything being mm. so shaky and so uncertain, we have him. Right. And I love mm -hmm. what you were saying there that, you know, we always have him. Yeah. And he's always there. The one verse that I was thinking of is from Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, saying, Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by the stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. And that was probably the biggest like life-changing experience Zach and I have had together was when our daughter passed away mm -hmm. in 2015. So we found out we were pregnant with her, what, in December? 
And then she was supposed to be born in September. And I had been very healthy during this time, one of probably my strongest pregnancies, healthiest pregnancy. And my sister was actually pregnant at the same time. Hmm. And she was on bed rest for all nine months because she had a large blood clot and some other stuff going on. So basically she was on bed rest. So I would pack Felix up, our oldest son, and take him. And I would stay at her house for four days. And then my mom would take the weekend. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. And then we were pregnant with Felicity. And towards the end, I think the last two weeks, I told the doctor, I said, something's just weird. Something's off here. And of course, I was doing the kick count and different things. And she's like, well, I'll send you for this different testing, which they just watch the baby and the baby has to do certain movements in half an hour. And Felicity passed. So there was nothing that my doctor felt like she couldn't induce early or whatever. Well, it ended up being 41 weeks. We went back just for the final checkup two days before induction and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And three nurses tried looking for this heartbeat because I'd been healthy. Felicity had shown no signs of anything on the ultrasounds. There was nothing really concerning at that point throughout the pregnancy. And then they brought the doctor in to look. And she came in. And, of course, she didn't find anything. And she left. And I was like, what is going on? She oh. only took, what, a couple of seconds mm-hmm. out the door And then she came back and Zach said she had just gone out, he thought, just to like collect her thoughts because it was just, it was shocking to everyone. Yeah. And so that began a journey for us for quite a while Um, because on top of that, after that pregnancy and after Felicity had passed at 41 weeks gestation and we had her funeral, I was diagnosed with endometriitis which is just infection of the uterus. And that went on for about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. And I was on antibiotics. I had a DNC, more antibiotics. And so that was just a rough period of health, bad health. And then how do you, you know, go from your shock out of your bad health or recovering from that into grief yeah. and into sorrow? Like, how do you do that? And that was, that was rough that first year, the second year, and then... I think by the third year, going back to Isaiah, where when you keep your eyes on God, he keeps your mind steadfast Mm -hmm. and focused on him. But sometimes during grief, you don't feel that, Mm -hmm. you know, or that clarity of thought, I should say, I think are the words I'm looking for. And so that brings me back to Jeremiah 17, 7, where those who trust in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord are will be like a tree planted by the water. And what hit me most about this verse was when the heat comes and when the drought comes and the drought and the heat will come to everyone, whether saved or unsaved. And your tree or your life, your person might look like, like it's fall. You know, you're losing your leaves and then these trees are going to look dead. And, um, a lot of our lives are going to look like those trees, whether Mm -hmm. through grief or other trials. And yet God says you're blessed if you trust in him and that your roots, sometimes you don't even know how deep your roots are going down until yeah. all you have is Christ to cling to and Christ to give you water and to basically day by day, like literally living day by day. And I remember many times waking up and just saying, okay, Lord, today is your day. And I'm banking on your words and on your promises that you're going to get us through this. And if you don't, you have failed. 
failed and your word has failed because this mm. is what I'm clinging to. Mm-hmm. And I know some people don't might not like hearing that, but God <laughs> also honors his word. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I just kept saying that. And every day he would send me, whether or us, little things in the mail, little encouraging notes, or someone would randomly drop off dinner. I had a friend one time, I was coming home from the library and someone's out on my deck putting balloons all over my deck. It was my birthday. And my girlfriend had just randomly stopped by and was decorating my house and brought all kinds of desserts. And so just to see how God feeds you in different ways, whether through his word or through friendships. is One of the other verses I was thinking, when you're going through drought in the heat and your tree has no leaves, is the Lord says in Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I am doing new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so that's many of our lives. Like our trees are planted. Here's a desert. And God says, I'll bring you streams and I will fill you and I will bless you. So it was a hard time. Zach and I were just talking about on the way over here, how God sends trials for endurance. And I remember many times praying, Lord, okay, is the endurance part over yet? (laughs) Because I would (laughs) like it to be, please. And is his timing really so. Yeah, it really is. That endurance thing, you're like, okay, I, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we stop now? Yeah. Um, most of the people who've listened know that I've been grieving this year after yeah. the loss of my mom. Yeah. And kind of like you were saying, you know, you can see Jesus through people mm-hmm. and you can feel comfort through his word. And that's, that's what gets me through. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. what God does. He has a method of comforting you. Yeah. He's not going to desert you. Yeah. yeah. There is a verse in the Psalms and from the book of Proverbs that says every word of God proves Mm. true. Mm -hmm. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. Mm -hmm. And that has kind of been our theme verse, I think, for everything that we've gone through Mm. in our marriage, um, because it really defines what faith is. Mm. Faith is putting God's word to the test. You know, Mm. Jesus Mm -hmm. Uh, in Luke, he talks about the parable of the guy who would come and would ask bread from his neighbor. And his approach was, Jesus's approach was, you need to ask, seek, knock. Mm -hmm. Keep on asking, keep on Mm -hmm. seeking, keep on Mm -hmm. knocking. You need to keep on pursuing God. And, uh, And really what's interesting is the language there in Luke is you're to lay out your case before God like a legal case, which is exactly what Char was talking about. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you think, well, faith is you never struggle with anything. No, Mm -hmm. faith is God, I'm living in this world. Mm -hmm. You've said this in your word. Mm -hmm. Prove your word true. And that's where we've seen is God is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. He will Mm -hmm. answer. uh, He will answer your prayers. He will Mm -hmm. fulfill his word. But we have to believe. There has to be that Mm -hmm. belief, that endurance. Um, which is interesting because I'm actually talking about this this Sunday in Colossians, which I don't want to steal too much thunder from Sunday, <laughs> but in Colossians, it's something that's new. So I studied Colossians before we lost Felicity, and the central theme of Colossians is that you are in him, you are in Christ. Mm. And I remember after uh, Felicity passed away, I was driving back home to take a shower, and the thought went through my mind, why did this happen? And I immediately thought, is it because I would have been a bad dad for a daughter? And the first, you know, how the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I all of a sudden was reminded, no, you're in Christ, right? Don't think that way. 
And Mm -hmm. I think that came from my study of Colossians, which had taken place about two years before that, where everything that happens to me in this life comes to me in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And no matter how hard or how difficult it is, I am in the beloved and everything that reaches me is an expression of God's love towards me in Christ. And even though I couldn't make sense of anything else going on as I was driving home that day, I knew I was in Christ and I Mm. could trust in that. Um, But one of the things that is mentioned in Colossians is that when you're in Christ, you are given strength according to God's power. But what's interesting is Paul doesn't say, well, you get God's power so that you can do these amazing, awesome, miracle things. But he says, no, God gives you power for patience and endurance with joy. So how is God's power displayed in the lives of those who are in Christ? It's displayed Mm -hmm. through being able to patiently bear up under trials with joy. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and um, and I can say that the Lord taught me that and worked in me to be able to show that um, during that time. And yeah. that all the glory goes to him. Uh, when when we found out Felicity, Felicity's heart had stopped beating. I immediately prayed out loud in the presence of all those doctors and nurses. I said, God, thank you for the time that we had with her. You give and you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I look back on that. And I'm like, well, that's not Zach. Like, what in the world? <laughs> that was God working in me both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's the strength that God gives for every trial. Faith is a gift from him. He gives yeah. us that patience. He gives us that endurance. He gives us that joy. Mm-hmm. It, it's supernatural and it doesn't belong to us. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of when I was in the hospital there with my mom in the final hour. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you know that like Fitbit can track your heart rate Mm -hmm. and it can track the exact moment your heart rate's high or low. Mm -hmm. And I checked it later for some reason. And, you know, it's really high anxiety, stress, Mm -hmm. those final hours. And at that very Mm -hmm. moment... It was calm. And it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's not me. That, that was God. And I remember in that very moment, I felt calm mm. for the first time in a long time. And that was not on my own strength. That was yeah. God. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the joys um, to walk with God, to have a relationship with him. Uh, when we lost Felicity, we had a lot of opportunities for engaging mm. people with the gospel that we hadn't had before. One mm. example that I always use because I think it was so interesting is there was this bank teller that I would, you know, deposit my checks every week and I'd talk to him about how he's doing or whatever. And so the week after Felicity passed away, I came into the bank and he's like, so how you doing? I said, honestly, I'm struggling. And I told him what happened. And he said, wow, honestly makes you doubt what you believe, doesn't it? And I looked at him and I said, well, actually, I said, what it makes me wonder is how in the world can you keep on living life without knowing Christ? Because I said, it's the only thing that is keeping me going is to Mm. know that he Mm. is in control. How do you handle life 
apart from knowing mm-hmm. that there is an empty tomb that Christ won on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was just awesome how, because he was a pretty hard individual, and it was pretty cool to be able to share something like that <laughs> with him. You really can use your story to evangelize to other people right. and to impact other people. Well, and that's what was really neat is one of the most impactful lessons I took from this time when Felicity passed away is, again, when I was driving home, it was the same car ride, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was struggling making sense of what had happened. I turned on the radio and it was this radio station that I normally didn't listen to because they had some interesting people on there preaching sometimes, but it was during the scripture reading time. And during the scripture Mm -hmm. reading time, they were reading through John 11 at Lazarus' tomb. And Jesus told the sister there, he said, did I not tell you, Martha, I think it was, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? <laughs> and I think that was true. And it just struck me as I, as I heard that being read, that would have been true whether Lazarus would ever had been risen from the dead or not, that God's glory was going to be displayed. The question is, would I keep on believing to see it? <laughs> and so I remember in that moment, I was like, okay, I got to see how God's hand is at work um, at this time. And that was really what helped me get through too, is I don't know all the reasons for why this happens, but I do know that God wants to reveal his glory to me in a special way at this time. And I learned more during that six months or more than I had in six years prior to that. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing how God can work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been a really good conversation. I really appreciate you guys coming in and sharing your heart. Um, I guess if you could sum up this episode as a whole, it's that God is always there. Mm. Yeah. I just, I love that, that God is always there. One thing that I was thinking about was every day after that death, I think it took me a little bit longer than Zach because I had to go through the labor and delivery. Like I had to go through all these things he didn't necessarily have to do. Like he was with me. So I'm very thankful like he was bringing up the verses in the prayer because I was just, I was just blank. I was just like, I got to push this child out. And she was 714. I mean, she was a bigger, you know, she was everything. She was perfect in every way, except when she came out, she was purple. Wow. And I had never experienced death or seen like that. Like I remember my grandpa dying, but, um, that I just remember screaming out, she's purple, she's purple. And so I think I had a longer of a journey because I had to recover and get my thoughts like that clarity of mind. But God kept working to through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, to remind me of things and to draw me to himself and to remind me I'm never forsaken and to remind me of these verses. And the one verse I like to say every morning, I'd get up early to see the sunrise from Hosea 6.3, as surely as the sun rises, he will appear or, you know, as surely as that is every time I wake up and my feet hit the floor for this new morning that I might be dreading or whatever's going to happen, like God will appear. He will be with me. So there's hope. I mean, we can see his beauty in creation. We can see his beauty in his word. We can see his beauty through our friends, through our churches, Mm -hmm. being the hands and feet of Christ. And so that would be one thing to encourage people, look at the sunrise and remember as surely as that comes up, God is there. He's with you through the night watches, of course, too. Mm. But um, he is there. 
Mm. Yeah, the one encouragement I would give uh, is really what I learned from that is the importance of godly friends who Mm -hmm. speak the truth. Amen to that. When you're going through a trial, Mm -hmm. I know the tendency that I used to think before I went through that Mm -hmm. was when one of my friends was going through a trial, I would think, they already know this truth. Mm -hmm. I don't really need to say anything because they already know it. Mm -hmm. And so you feel awkward and you just kind of sit there Mm -hmm. and, you know, don't get me wrong. Some of the the best thing you can do for someone who is in sorrow and struggling is to be there with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But the second thing they need is the truth. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I was struck by was how encouraging it was to have other brothers and sisters in Christ who would come alongside mm-hmm. and would just share God's truth mm-hmm. in the midst of a time when I'm struggling to know how to think. One of the things I told uh, one of my best friends who did the funeral for Felicity is I said, remind me of the truths I already know. Mm-hmm. And that is what you need in, in this life yeah. is you need godly friends to come yeah. alongside you and remind you of the truth you already know. And so once I thought of that, I, my ambition was I want to learn as much as I can from this trial because the scripture yeah. says that with the comfort by which God comforts me, I will then one day be able to comfort others. And so I want to learn as much as I can so that when my friends go through hard times, I can share with them the truth that they already know but that was impactful for me when I went through that hardship. Um, yeah. So, and even like one more like practical thing, cause my, my, I guess I just mentioned like what the person can do who's struggling. And then Zach just talked about um, what another fellow Christian can do. But I was thinking prayer, calling mm-hmm. or texting a prayer. I mean, we have so many ways, we, so many times we say, Oh, I'm praying for you, you know, but really put those feet to action. And I had a girlfriend who would call me every week and we would pray every Tuesday together for like an hour. That is awesome. For a whole year. And we still try to touch base sometimes every day, sometimes once a week, whatever, whenever we need prayer. And it's just like 10 minutes, five minutes. It doesn't have to be long. And it doesn't have to be both of you praying. It just be a quick prayer. And so that would be another practical way of just putting, you know, I guess your hands in prayer to where your mouth is mm-hmm. saying yeah. to comfort people. Yeah, After going through everything and looking back, I was like, all of those, I'm sorry for you Mm -hmm. and thinking of you did not compare in Mm -hmm. any way to people who would actually pray for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Three people who actually pray for you are worth more than 300 who just say they will. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Exactly. And then they know or just, yeah. And because we had some not tons of friends, but I had a couple closer friends who even got closer through that time mm-hmm. period, but they were like at our house once a week, bringing us meals, texting us. I had two other girlfriends texting me every day. How are you? Or like some of them had been through similar situations and they're like, okay, you made it to this period. Now this is what you should think about. And this is how you should get through. So really just putting yourself into someone's life. Yep. And sometimes you don't know if they will let you or not, but it's worth the try. So being real with one another. Yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yep. It's true. Yeah, being real. Well, thank you so much, guys, for coming in here. I have really enjoyed listening to your hearts, and I know everybody else will, and excited to hear how God works through this and through you guys. And for those listening, if you want to come hear Pastor Zach preach, you can come to Grace <laughs> Chapel in West Liberty. And so thank you guys so much. You're well, welcome. Thanks, Abigail. Thank you. 
Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can find me at abigailtip10. Leave a comment or a DM and I would love to get back with you. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day, friends.